Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Thursday night, March 5th, 2020. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and I think, if you don't mind, I think I want to start with the Big East, because they have a fascinating situation in the Big East heading into the final weekend of the regular season. But first, let's back up. On Wednesday night, Seton Hall had an opportunity to secure its first outright Big East title since 1993, all the Pirates had to do beat Villanova at home. They were three-and-a-half-point favorites, so the odds were in their favor. But then Villanova made 13 three-pointers and upset Seton Hall. Final score, Wildcats 79, Pirates 77 inside the Herb Pope Center. And when you combine that result with Creighton's win over Georgetown, the Big East standings now look like this. Seton Hall, 13-4. and four. Creighton, 12-5. and five. Villanova, 12 and 5. And if you look ahead of this weekend, Seton Hall is at Creighton on Saturday. Villanova is at Georgetown. So if the favorites win both games, in other words, if Creighton beats Seton Hall and if Villanova beats Georgetown, Seton Hall, Creighton, and Villanova will all finish 13 and 5 in the Big East and will have co champions times three. Norlander, it's prediction time. Yes. Who, who wins the Big East? It's a multiple choice situation. Is it A, Seton Hall outright? B, Seton Hall and Creighton, co-champs, or C, Seton Hall, Creighton, and Villanova, three-way tie at the top? The answer is C, and what you may not realize, because you didn't detail it there in your uh, intro where you lay it all out, how about this? If Nova wins against Georgetown, which is going to happen, and then if Creighton can win at home against Seton Hall, that would mean unbelievably, while they'd all have the same record in terms of seeding and tiebreakers, when the Big East tournament starts, Creighton would be the one, Villanova would be the two, and Seton Hall, which has been in the driver's spot for two-plus months in this conference and was the preseason pick to be the best team in the league, would actually be the three seed once we got to Madison Square Garden. I'll be there next week for the Big East tournament. That would be a, an unexpected turn of events in the broad picture, but I think heading into the weekend, I do think that's where we're going to end up. All three of those teams, same record. You with me? No. Okay. <laughs> I've got Seton Hall winning at Creighton and being the outright Big East champs for the first time since 1993, back when they were led by a young man named Terry DeHare. No. Yes, <laughs> I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure that's a character in a children's book I read to my kids. Terry yeah. DeHare is a real person. Terry DeHare? He scored 22 points per game. Oh, my goodness. Who was the second best player on that Seton Hall team? I don't know uh, that. That's all I need to know. Okay, fair but, enough. But... I do know who the little sophomore point guard was that averaged six points and three assists per game. Okay, go ahead. Trivia time. You go ahead. I got no. I got no idea here. Okay, I wasn't locked into Trenton hoops back in '93. Dan 
Hurley. Oh, shame on me. Shame on me. Dan Hurley and his UConn Huskies getting the win over Houston on Thursday night. Making the Cougars sweat a little bit heading into postseason play. And UConn might be the spoiler of the American Athletic Conference. Full disclosure here, just so our listeners realize this. We are recording this on Thursday night. So you got this podcast well in advance of its typical Friday placement. We hope you enjoy that. But for the benefit our, of our schedules and hopefully yours, that's why you're getting this. And we are doing this before Memphis-Wichita State will conclude. So while I mentioned the American there, nice job, a nice win out of UConn on senior night. And uh, pretty big Wichita State-Memphis game, but we won't know the ending of that before the pod's done. Uh, but GP's Tigers and my shockers certainly going at it. And loser might be a default elimination game. As for the Big East, real quick. So I'm going to be there next week. I'm super excited. I was actually... It's funny you mentioned this because we were talking before the pod, what we wanted to start with, what we wanted to chat on, and you had mentioned the Big East, and I was all about it because uh, coincidentally just earlier in the day I had to call uh, Mr. Jay Billis for something, and he, I said, are you going to be at the ACC tournament? And he said, yeah, where are you going to be? I said, I'll be, I'm going to bounce back and forth between A-10 but mostly Big East. He said, oh, yeah, that's going to be the best tournament. Like That will be the best uh, of, the, of all of them. And it's probably going to be between Big East or Big Ten, but the Big East has gotten to a point here where it should send seven, You'd have to have uh, Providence have the floor fall underneath it or Xavier. uh, Otherwise, the other schools are going there. And I do expect it to be a tremendous, tremendous Big East tournament. Georgetown, St. John's, and DePaul, um, all 15 and 15 at this point. But the other seven are tracking to make the NCAAs. And when you can get 70% of your league into the big dance, that's a huge year. Credit to the Big East for for being pretty good all around and having three viable Final Four contenders. Um, So... Creighton, I should point out, as I'm predicting them to lose on Senior Day yeah, uh, this weekend, is 15 and one at home this season. The lone loss to Villanova, so they're terrific in that building. And Kim Palm does project them as as a favorite, but it just seems like I don't know. It just seems like Seton Hall is exactly the type of team that would lose its Senior Day opportunity of securing the outright title and then go actually get it done on the road. They've won in tough uh, road environments uh, this season. I won't be shocked if they do it again, but obviously, you know, I'm playing. I'm playing the underdog. Here. Yeah, no, that's listen. It's certainly uh, it's certainly possible there, and all those three teams. Nova, you know, the last two, the first three right now, however you want to see it, Seton Hall on the three-line, Creighton on the three-line. They're going to be – it'll be interesting. you got to figure that – so right now the East, if it was projected out, you'd have no – if they made the Sweet 16, if they held the seeds, you'd have Seton Hall. Let's just call Nova the two, Seton Hall the three. Uh, let's say San Diego State, which was – San Diego State? Able to keep its undefeated season alive after a scare. You were in studio. I was in studio. They were down um, at the half, but they started guarding on the perimeter and um, pulled away from Air Force. It was still a single-digit decision, but they were never in serious trouble in the final few minutes, and they remain uh, the best one-loss undefeated team in America. You're hedging right there. <laughs> I'm going all in on these tweets, by the way. I still got people coming after me. Whatever. I was. Oh, I almost tweeted at you. Did you, did you see? You didn't see Jay, uh, Jamie Erdahl uh, tonight or yesterday, earlier today. I had so, the I had CBS Sports Network on all afternoon, but I'm chasing kids, so I missed what she might have said. So, Jay, so I guess it was um, 
after the San Diego State win, we were going through San Diego State's resume. Like, are they definitely a one C, you know, no matter what happens in, in Las Vegas? And by the way, they're not. Um, they, they could take a loss and, and slip off of the one line. But as she's introducing, you know, the topic and then getting ready to send it to me, she goes, now, San Diego State does have that one loss. I know you don't like to admit it, but it did happen. <laughs> and I chuckled. Nice. So, I, so Jamie was in on it as well. I love it. Uh, definite big shouts to Jamie Erdahl. She's fantastic. And uh, that's good stuff. What I almost tweeted at you, because I think it was a, it was at halftime of the game, and you had Palm talking about San Diego State's resume and all this stuff, and I almost just tweeted uh, to be like, why is Jerry talking about San Diego State having a loss? Just to tweet it at you, just to have some fun there, because the the smart asses who don't know uh, the idiotic joke that I continue to perpetuate uh, that you originated. Full credit to GP. Um, that's fun stuff. Anyway, uh, what my, the point I was making is, so this, let's say they hold on to that one seat, San Diego State. They would go to the Garden. Nova would go to the Garden. Seton Hall would go to the Garden again if they want to. And then the fourth would, would probably be Maryland if it can uh, do what it needs to do here. But you might have Maryland or Duke battling. We'll see what happens with that. Um, so that would be compelling for the Big East in that there's the potential. I don't know how likely it is, but you could easily have Seton Hall and Villanova, uh, who, who played a wonderful game on Wednesday night, uh, meeting again. They're, they're one on one the season. They could get a third matchup in the Big East tournament and then potentially a fourth one uh, in the regional finals. So that would be uh, plenty intriguing there. And, yeah, they've got a good shot with, with all three of those teams breaking through. And then, you know, Providence has been insane. They can, I mean, I can't remember if I mentioned these on the previous podcast or not, GP, but Providence won five games against ranked teams in the month of February. That's only happened five times in the history of men's D1 sports in the regular season. I meant D1 sports, D1 basketball, where you've had a team in the span of the month get five wins over five ranked teams. Kind of insane. And Providence is, has come back from – we talk about UCLA, but this is why I, 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 go, I go Cooley over Cronin. You know, I, don't know if, I don't know if we need to go down that road again. Okay, ra- okay just rank them. Okay, you ready? Yeah. Rank them. Ed Cooley, Mick Cronin, John Wooden. Ah, that's a tight spot. Um, I'm going to go... See, this is this is why the people love this podcast. We we are addressing the tough topics that need to be addressed. I, I, I got to go... I got to go Cooley, Cronin, Wooden. And I, I don't see how... There's any argument otherwise at this point. I'd go. I'd go. Listen, I differ with you a little. I'd go Cronin, Cooley, Wooden, but but either way, we know who we we can argue over who's first. We both know who's third. All right, now one more game before we move on. Yeah. Um, Mary kill or F? Oh God! I I thought. Hold on. 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 I honestly, I thought when you said that, I thought, okay, we hit the top teams. I thought you were go. I thought you were going Butler at Xavier when you said one more game. I thought we were like, all right, let's talk about Xavier's at large propositions here. But you took a hard left. Okay, go ahead. Mary, Mary Kill F, Mick Cronin, Ed Cooley, and John Wooden. I need you to answer first before I go. Okay, listen to me. This seems. Easy. We're killing John Wooden because he's already dead. Nobody, heard, you know, we're all used to John Wooden not being here by now. All right. Uh-huh. So we don't. It's not a real loss. Not <laughs> only have you sanded his name off the court, you've committed murder against John Wooden on this podcast. 
Nell's name can stay. Yes. She's not the one who lost eight times in 1966 and missed the NCAA tournament. That's what John did. That's what John did. You can look it up. Nell didn't do that. Nell's name can stay Mick and Nell Court. So I am... <laughs> I know. We've established this. You've killed John Wooden. Continue. <laughs> okay, okay. Okay, there's that. So now I'm down to Mary or F. Okay, I think I'm marrying Ed Cooley. Well, how can you not? Okay, and then I... Yeah, so you got to say it. You know, Mick, Mick and I are about the same size. You look exactly the same. We <laughs> never talk about it on the podcast. You are practically the coach of UCLA. This is, if you really want to peel back the id, okay, this is where this stems from. When Parrish says Cronin over Wooden, it's because from, I, I'm not exaggerating this, from behind, if you were to put Mick Cronin and Gary Parrish in the exact same clothes, you would think they were identical twins. That's where this stems <laughs> from. You think you're a better coach than John Wooden. And you want to have love with yourself. That's it. Okay, so there it is. Mary Kill F. We've got it figured out. We're killing John Wooden, Mary and Ed Cooley, F and McCroman. <laughs> I'm in agreement with you. Uh, if you want to talk <laughs> Butler Xavier, we can or we can just move on. That's fine. I think we probably need to move on. But uh, the, the stakes are, are pretty clear cut for Seton Hall on Saturday. You win at Creighton, you're outright league champs. You lose at Creighton, then you will share the title with at least Creighton and maybe also Villanova. Kansas released its response to its notice of allegations from the NCAA earlier on Thursday. We're going to get into that next. But first, let me tell you about SeatGeek. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? Sure seems that way sometimes. It's as if they're so big they can get away with not caring about the customer experience. As a result, you get a lousy customer experience. But SeatGeek proves there's a better way. With SeatGeek, you can search sports, live music, comedy shows. You can search Basically anything, and SeatGeek is going to have the tickets you're looking for all in one place. You might know I'm a Mets fan. I get to City Field for games as often as I can, and when I need tickets, the first place I check every single time, SeatGeek. I can have tickets picked out in two clicks, so it's quick, simple. I've never, not once, had a problem, which seems to be the norm, because if you look at the App Store, uh, you're going to see more than 50,000 five-star reviews. That shows customer service is a priority with SeatGeek. What SeatGeek does is pull together millions of tickets from all over the web. Then it rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. Then SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map and provides guidance. Green dots mean great deals. Red dots are overpriced. And every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can always shop for tickets with confidence. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the fastest and easiest way to find tickets. In fact, I just used the app a couple weeks ago to buy tickets to Troll Lives, took my little kids, had a blast. And if you want to try SeatGeek, Right now, SeatGeek will give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code that's CollegeBB. CollegeBB. Again, just download the SeatGeek app and use promo code CollegeBB for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's promo code CollegeBB for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. SeatGeek, life's an event. We have the tickets. So Kansas released its response to its notice of allegations from from the NCAA on Thursday. It was just published not too long ago. So I'm going to be honest. It's 307 pages long. I'd be lying if I told you I read all of it. I'd be lying if I told you anybody's read all. Who's read that? Who is read? Who would read that? Jesse Newell, of course. Dan Walken, I think, is 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 about 74 pages deep in this <laughs> as we record this podcast. Uh, bless your heart, Dan. Um 
Uh, credits to Dennis Dodd, by the way. He did uh, break this little piece of news a couple days in advance when Jeff Long told him that this would be indeed be coming out. Why, by the way? People might be wondering, like, why is this happening now? Just so happened Thursday, March 5th, was the deadline day to formally uh, submit the response that uh, Kansas did. And so it's 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 very long, and it is refuting everything that the enforcement group um, has tried to put upon Kansas, including, I mean, I, I've seen a, a few... A few tweets here or there, um, including Kansas essentially trying to, and this is going to be a hard needle thread, and we're not going to litigate this much on the podcast, but it is a newsworthy event, so let's just inform the listeners here. They're going to try and needle this thread where the reason why they were able to um, get whatever leniency they did with the Silvio de Sosa case was because they had to admit that TJ Gastonola was a booster, and now they're going to try and play that differently in this case to avoid serious charges. Because basically what it comes down to is there is a, an expectation that uh, not only a severe punishment is coming for Kansas and for Bill Self next season, but you could easily have Self facing a season-long ban and, and Kansas having a postseason ban for 2020-2021 uh, season overall. So we have not had the time to delve into it, but... You know, this will wind up being one of the biggest stories of the offseason when we get there, and I do expect us to have a ruling on this with room to spare before the 20, 2021 season starts. But 300, GP, like, <laughs> you talk about lawyering to the max, 307 pages. Are you kidding? I don't, I don't know if there's, and maybe there has been, but I can't imagine there's ever been a response to a single case that's been longer than 307 pages. Um, like you said, in short, they're pushing back on everything. And conceding absolutely nothing. And I will, and it appears, because I've read what I've read and then I've seen the clips that people are posting on Twitter. And what it appears is that they're just saying, you can think whatever you want to think. It can look however you want it to look. You can't prove anything. You have to prove it. Now, the NCAA, this is not a court of law, it's not beyond a reasonable doubt. The standard of proof is, is much lower than that. And I will say, Listen, I'm not going to be in the business of predicting how a committee on infractions is going to rule on this stuff, um, you know, it, 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 because it's it's often unpredictable. But I will say Kansas is some of the points it's trying to make are, are simply not believable. I mean, they just don't pass the common sense test. Yeah. And so I don't, you know, like, because like one part of the response to the notice of allegations is that according to Kansas officials. And this is where they're this is where they're rooting part of their argument on this part of the of the case. Um, the Kansas staff had no knowledge of any recruiting activities by T.J. Gasnola. That's just not believable. It's not believable, and it's even referencing in some of its arguments, like for example. There was an exchange between T.J. Gasnola, who was the government witness uh, who worked for Adidas, uh, and Bill Self, where Bill Self doesn't incriminate himself, but the nature of the text message exchange, and some of this is redacted, but I know it because I was in the damn courtroom, where T.J. Gasnola is, and I will paraphrase here for the sake of, of clarity uh, and, and brevity, but um, he's basically saying, like, Kansas is in lot first in line. Bill Self and everyone get behind him. I won't fa- fail you like I did with DeAndre. And then Self says, you know, and then TJ says, That's "I've not- got all of it if you want that." Yeah, I mean, you can, you can if you want. Yeah, if you want to lay it out, we can, we can certainly lay that out again. I had one more point, but go ahead. Well, first and foremost, like the 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 response saying the staff, the Kansas basketball staff, had no knowledge of any recruiting activities by TJ Gasnola. There are literally text messages from T from Bill to TJ asking, "Are we good?" After, 
are we good with Silvio De Sosa's guardian after Gasnola had told Bill, hey, I just talked to Silvio De Sosa's guardian. And Bill's response is, are we good? That, that to me, suggests knowledge of, of recruiting activities by TJ Gasnola in the recruitment of a prospective student-athlete. You're asking him if we're good. If he's not recruiting for you or involved on some level, how would he know if you're good? And I should, and maybe it goes without saying, but still I'm compelled to point out, uh, I've known Bill Self and his entire staff for a long time, and I like them. And... um. And, and I think they're wonderful at their jobs. They've got the best team in the country right now. But, you know, they got caught. You know, it is what it is. I don't think they're the only staff in America that was benefiting from shoe company um, help. I don't think they're the only staff in America. But they're the only staff in America that has found themselves in this very specific situation. And the text message combined with just what, pe- just, just what we know mm-hmm. um, makes it very difficult to believe. It, I, I'll take it a step further. Impossible to believe that they really didn't know that TJ Gasnola was involved in any recruiting right, activities. Right. To the text message exchange you were referencing, um, TJ Gasnola text Bill Self after Kansas and Adidas had just reached a um, an extension on a long term deal, and you know TJ was thanking Bill for whatever role he played in, in helping get that extension done. And Bill replied via text that he was happy with Adidas and then wrote, quote, just got to get a couple of real guys. And then TJ responded, in my mind, it's KU, Bill Self. Everyone else fall in the line. Too effing bad. That's what's right for Adidas basketball, and I know I'm right. The more you win, have lottery picks, and, you, and you're happy. That's how it should work in my mind. Um, and then Bill Self replies, that's how it works at UNC and Duke. And then TJ replies um, by saying Kentucky as well. And then he adds, I promise you, I got this. I've never let you down except with DeAndre Ayton. LOL, we will get it right. There's no way that text message means those texts exchange, that text exchange. There's no way it means anything other than what it so obviously means. You're right, and then it gets, and then Kansas has got to try and work around the fact that uh, Gasnola admitted to paying off Billy Preston as well, and you know that's it's it's ultimately doomed uh, in a lot of ways in this case. The other aspect of this uh, that was pointed out by Dan Wetzel is that Kansas is going to try and here's just a quick quick graph, and if you want to move on, we can. Uh, it says stated otherwise, according to enforce the enforcement staff, referring to the NCAA's enforcement staff, of course. Every corporate sponsor and most, if not all, individuals associated with the sponsor are boosters of every institution with which the sponsor does business. This theory, keyword being theory, if adopted by the panel, would have far-reaching ramifications throughout the membership given the universal use of corporate sponsorships throughout Division I athletics. Moreover, as is explained in the response, under the terms of NCAA legislation, innumerable current and former student athletes would be ineligible <laughs> due to their pre-enrollment participation in non-scholastic events and non-scholastic teams that were provided financial support by Nike, Under Armour, Adidas, and others. That is the stretch of all stretches. Kansas is essentially trying to say that any, according to what the NCAA is doing, it's it's saying that players before they get to college playing grassroots basketball for these big shoe company teams are benefiting uh, improperly and therefore all of these players should be ineligible. That's 
boiling it way, way, way down, but that's what Kansas is saying there. It's 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 an absurd argument, but it's one that the lawyers thought worthy to put in a 307-page release and send it back to NCAA enforcement. And it's obviously absurd. And and listen, I'm somebody who believes that Nike has um, spent money on individual families and then um, used influence created by that money and that relationship to steer – Maybe not prospects to very specific schools, but certainly to Nike schools. And I think Under Armour's done the exact same thing. I'm not naive to that. And if anybody tries to argue Nike hasn't operated in similar ways to Adidas or Under Armour hasn't operated in similar ways to Adidas, I like I'll push back on that every time. They might have been smarter, might have been cleaner, less sloppy, but I do believe that they've done similar things. But there's a big difference between building a grassroots program around a five-star prospect and his father and, you know, dropping off a bag of cash to a five-star prospect's mom in a hotel room. Mm-hmm. These are two very different things. and They might lead to the same end result, but they're two very different things. And trying to make them out to be the same is, again, if I were a law, if I were smart enough to be a lawyer and hired to handle this, perhaps I'd make the same type of argument on paper. But to anybody who understands the actual business of the sport, it's um, it's laughable. One more quick thing before we move on. Um, and I, I know you've talked about this on your radio show this week. Keep in mind going forward um, – this may or may not be the case with Kansas, but Memphis is in the middle of an NCAA first where you have a complex case unit that is adjudicating this case. It is not the Committee on Infractions that will determine the, the fate of Memphis's program in regard to the fallout from the James Wiseman situation, and it will be the first one. So it will be the guinea pig, so to speak. Now, the Wiseman thing is so different from the Kansas thing, but what we could have here is uh, the— and I, and. How this decision gets made, I don't know. I can't tell you right here, right now, uh, why you know the uh, the outside case as opposed to the COI. But you could have that with Kansas, and the biggest reason for having this is that yes, it is the NCAA's way of passing the buck, but passing it to um, a panel of people that are extremely highly accomplished in in law and in dealing with uh, severe cases now. Their knowledge and able to interpret everything NCAA rated, uh, related, well, they're, they're intelligent people, so I, I will give them the benefit of the doubt to start. But the biggest factor in all that is that if that, gets, if that winds up being the case later this year, there is no appeals process. So when Memphis gets its ruling later this year, whatever that is, that's it. You're done. You accept it. There's, you, have no, you have no recourse. And the same thing would be true of Kansas if it doesn't go to the Committee on Infractions. If the Committee on Infractions does rule on this, you can still have a proper appeals process, which, as is, does not have a high yield of overturns. And if you're wondering why that is particularly, um, uh, the late uh, – um, NCAA President Miles Brand was actually the one who changed a lot of that legislation in the early 2000s to make it not impossible, but extremely unlikely for anyone to win on appeal. Uh, since you brought up the Memphis case and, and put it in the same bucket or at least category as the Kansas case, I, I am compelled to point out uh, Kansas is trying to argue it did nothing wrong and had n- and nobody knew anything wrong was happening because nothing wrong was happening. Like They, they, they just really dug their heels down in the response here. Even that school knows you can't play a player with eligibility issues in defiance of the NCAA. Even that school set down Billy Preston and set down Silvio D'Souza when eligibility uh, concerns um, were, were, uh, were made aware to them. 
And so there are still some Memphis fans and even some Memphis media members who act like Memphis didn't do anything wrong here and that the NCAA is just picking on poor little Memphis. But when you stupidly, and I use that word intentionally, stupidly uh, play James Wiseman after they have told you there are real eligibility concerns, well, then you, you, you open the door to this. You get what you get. And it sucks because the fan base was really fired up for the Penny Hardaway era. And now this season has been a disaster because the best player quit and the third best player got hurt. And now you've got an NCAA crowd, cloud hanging over your program that could impact recruiting and all sorts of other things going forward. But like the second they put James Wiseman on the court in defiance of the NCAA, they open themselves up to exactly what they're dealing with now. And it is shameful and embarrassing that the people in charge at that school didn't realize it in real time because lots of smart people, and I'm not even calling myself smart, but like lots of people, myself included in that group, understood exactly what they were doing. The fact that they didn't seem to understand or care, really, really failure in leadership. Uh, last thing on Kansas, um, for those who are wondering like, okay, well, this is happening, you know, beginning of March, like when are we going to hear stuff next? It will be a while. So this will be the last thing we'll have on this for months. Uh, the only things related to it you'll hear about, or will enter into your orbit as a, a, you know, an observer or just receiver of college basketball content in general is as Kansas, if it does make deep runs into the NCAA tournament, this stuff will be more, uh, and more talked about, and recently, even GP on uh, on the CBS Sports Network set for Facebook Watch, uh, he had a commentary about how it would be uh, <laughs> beautifully awkward if we did, in fact, have a, yet another example of an NCAA coach being handed a trophy by Mark Emmert in the midst of his program being uh, being caught up uh, in the midst of a huge NCAA scandal. Uh, the SEC race is settled. But the league is looking a little suspect right now. We're going to get into that next. But first, check this out. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. What's up, y'all? This is four-time NBA champ Andre Iguodala. Yo, and this is his best friend, the Ohio State legend, Evan Marcel Turner the first. Every Wednesday, we drop a new episode on our show, Point Four. We're talking basketball, business, and all the culture in between. From locker room stories to some basketball analysis from those who've been in the game. Now, it is a do-bet. Do averaging 29 and 11. God, shit. what'd it take to be an all-star? A win. Subscribe to Point Four the podcast so you don't miss a thing. So the SEC regular season race is settled. Kentucky is your outright chance. We've known that for a little while. Congrats to the Wildcats. Go Big Blue. But the league is looking suspect right now. Our friend Dan Walken from USA Today pointed out Thursday morning, every SEC team, including Kentucky, is now 30th or worse at Ken Palm right now. Let me run you through this. It's pretty interesting. So that means there's 29 teams ahead of the highest-ranked SEC team right now, according to Ken Palm, as of Thursday night, Kentucky's 30th. So there's 29 teams in front of the best SEC team. There are nine in the top 29 from the Big Ten. The Big Ten has nine of the top 29. The Big East has five of the top 29. The Big 12 has four of the top 29. The Pac-12 has three. ACC has three. West Coast Conference has two. 
American has one, Mountain West has one, A10 has one. Is that concerning to you, Norlander? Or let me ask an even simpler question. Does the SEC have any good teams? Yeah, Kentucky's a good team. I th- and I think that Auburn's a good team. Now, Auburn is rightfully slipping here because it's had a lot of overtime wins and a lot of uh, very close wins. In fact, I'll bring it up right now. Auburn was first in luck at Ken Palm for uh, much of the season. It slipped down because of its losses. It's actually seventh. How about that, Virginia? Eighth in luck. Um, no other teams that uh, project into the NCAA tournament except for Texas at 12 are in the top 20. Um and luck is just what you think. It, what you think it is. It's just uh, it, it takes your game results and what was expected to be. And if it's close, uh, it, it kind of just shows you how much more fortunate you were to to wind up uh, on the on the better end of that. Um, but I do think that Kentucky and Auburn are both really good, especially like when you Isaac Okoro is a just he's a terrific top twelve to fifteen level kind of freshman. Um, the Kentucky L is problematic significantly uh, to Tennessee just because it was stunning the way it happened. And even Calipari said, he said like he said it earlier today. Uh, I think in a, a media call or availability, in some form. I don't have the exactly off the top of my head, but he said going into halftime, uh, I was thinking that we were like a Final Four team, and then at the end of the game, I'm just like completely lost. I, he tweeted it. That's what it was. He said I'm, I'm focused on that first 20 minutes and and you know getting my guys to continue to be that, but I won't ramble here, GP. Or at least I'll try not to. Kentucky, to me, is a very good team, and I would still consider Bracken unseen putting Kentucky into the Final Four. If you're going to tell me Ashton Hagens can be a lot better than he was against Tennessee, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think there are 29 teams actually better than Kentucky, even if there are 29 teams ranked ahead of Kentucky at Ken Palm. But it is wild if you took Kentucky, threw it in the Big Ten, and ranked teams in that league based on adjusted efficiency margin, Kentucky would be tenth mm-hmm. in the Big Ten. Behind Michigan State, Maryland, Wisconsin, Penn State, Iowa, Ohio State, Rutgers, Michigan, and Purdue. So, like, whatever that means. Here's a question for you. Yeah. Will the SEC have multiple teams in the Sweet 16? I will say no. I will say because of the nature of the tournament, uh, I'll just I'll put my my wager on only one. But I will if you set the over under at point five, I'm going over one point five. I'm going under. Um, you with me on that? Or are you going to go zero? I would not go zero. I just think somebody's going to get in, right? Yeah, I, I yeah. would think. Yeah, I would think. So. I would, just somebody's going to win two games. I would assume Kentucky, um, but like, if it's not Kentucky, it could be Auburn. Like, it it, it could be Arkansas getting hot. I don't know, they but I, I would get, yeah. I, I would actually say it. I, if you told put the over under at one point five, I would take. I'd still take the over. I think the SEC will have at least two of the sixteen Sweet Sixteen teams, but I don't have any. I it, and what I would assume it'll be Kentucky. And somebody else. I don't know who. Um, quick passing thought on the Big Ten because I happened to talk to two Big Ten coaches in the past 24 hours. Uh, one head coach, one assistant. And both uh, just brought up the – they were like, we are so ready to get the hell out of this league. Like, just to play any other team. Just – it's it's been an unreal grind. And every coach always says, like, I can't wait to get out of my league. We got a tough league. They're like, I got to – I got it's like you're. It's like when you're at the party at, like – you know, two twenty in the morning. You're like, I gotta get the hell out of here, man. That's what that's what the uh, the thought is within that league. And I will be interested to see how many Big Ten teams 
can wind up finding success because you're going to have clog, a clog, log jam on that 5-9 to nine line overall. Real quick, though, um, let me just scoot back through to the SEC just to give listeners an idea here of where the teams are, like, trending toward. I'd say Kentucky. Uh, my guess is Kentucky will wind up being a 4. Um, Auburn, I think, will be a 5. That's my best guess. LSU is firmly in the tournament, but I don't know which direction it's going. It doesn't have a good defense whatsoever. The defense is horrendous. So I think you're going to have a big gap between those two and everyone else. I think between LSU and Florida, one of those two teams will be in the 8-9 game. And then the other one, like Florida's got a great opportunity at home against Kentucky this weekend, GP. And then I'd say the other one might slip down to a 10. um, And that's where we're at. Then you've got this jam where you've got Arkansas – Mississippi State trying to break through, see if they can get there. But it could be just a four-bid league this season. So it's 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 light on teams. I I th- I, I think that's all it's going to get. Arkansas still got a shot, but I don't know. I, it, that might that might be it at this point. Yeah, I'm going to go two SEC teams in the Sweet 16: Kentucky and somebody else. Remember, Arkansas. They don't jump off the page on you, but they are. That's a good team with Isaiah Joe in the lineup. It is. The, the record is vast. I think they they went one in five without him. So you know they, they they their resume would look much better if he never got hurt. Now that is something that happened. You can't pretend it didn't. But I do think once they get in the tournament, they'll probably be better than what their seeds suggest uh, because they're better than what the resume uh, suggests when they are at full strength. Do you want to go to the final four and one? Let's do it. What do you, uh, her record is this? Uh, 45, 39, and one for me. 45, hold on, hold on, 45. You, first of all, I tell you this every week. I figure you're putting it into some sort of spreadsheet or Google Doc. And, I quit and, caring. I quit caring. Like, I, you could even be lying to me right now. I don't even care. I would never do that. 45, 39, and one for me. 36, uh-huh. 48, and one for you. Have had a I couple people scared. tweet at me saying, loving GP's picks because I'm fading them, and I'm coming up positive every week. So you're doing a service for the people. Thank you. It's my, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. I st- I don't even I don't even gamble on anything anymore. I just stopped because I'm just I just honestly I stop. I don't have the time. I don't even have time to enjoy gambling anymore. But uh, thank God I stopped because I would be I'd be br- I'd have to get a seventh job to support my gambling habit. The way these stupid picks are going. All right, you ready? Let's do I it. Picked out games. Let's do it. Saturday, one p.m. Eastern. Number six, Kentucky at Florida. Inside Walsh Anderson Arena, you can watch it on CBS. It's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. Florida is minus four. I Do you know Walsh Anderson Arena. You're getting worse with these names, man. I just don't know what to say. Like worse. Yeah, it's not good. I had the Herb Pope Center earlier. Herb Pope, you... I'm giving you credit. I'm giving you credit for for Herb Pope. That was Herb Pope is currently. Serving a 48-month sentence for a bank robbery. Well, I didn't realize. Okay, so I guess what we're learning here is the guys who actually are of questionable character are the ones that are getting these arenas now. Those are the ones I'm drawn to. I, I was I was personally hoping for. All right, so all right, you, whatever. You get the arenas. I'm going to name the court. Um, there are a ton. Hold on, Herb. Pope, let me make sure you understand what happened. Okay. Six foot nine, former famous high school basketball player who then went to Seton Hall, her Pope, robbed a bank basically in his hometown. Like how many six foot nine 
people are there just robbing. Like, like he robbed the bank, and everybody was like, "What the suspect look like?" And they were like, "Look like her Pope." <laughs> it's just over with. He couldn't even hit no chance. <laughs> so did we get did we get a description of the suspect? Yes, it was her Pope, the basketball player. He was six foot nine, robbing a bank. Oh man, he didn't think it through. Like, if you're gonna be six foot nine, you should probably try to rob a bank somewhere other than your hometown, where you were a famous basketball player. There, by the way, there can only be well, there can be many choices. Florida has many, but I'm going to give the court honors to one uh, Kenny Boynton. There's he was dude. I almost named it Kenny Boynton. Oh, <laughs> look at us! Look at us! That you, <laughs> yeah, see, that's how you know Kenny Boynton court. Uh, uh, Walsh. Okay. Do you remember uh, Walsh Anderson? No, I thought Matt you were. Walsh. I thought you were going to go Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh. Oh, okay. And Lauren Anderson. Uh, I, no, I'm lost. Matt Walsh. This is this story doesn't get enough attention. I know okay. Matt Walsh. I'm I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled with the Matt Walsh underrated, really good college passer. But go ahead with the story. I wish this story like happened in 2020. We'd be all over. We'd do entire podcasts about it. Matt Walsh was a sophomore at Florida. Dating Lauren Anderson, who was a legit Playboy centerfold. While in college. Yeah, yes. He was like playing for Billy Donovan, and she was in Playboy. Centerfold. Not just in it, but she was the centerfold. He was a sophomore in college. That's that's as good as it gets. That's, that's Google Matt of... Walsh, Lauren Anderson. Pop right up. <laughs> okay. Fair, fair enough. Uh can I get can I get Miss Anderson into the uh no contacts, Ion College Basketball Podcast preview tease. That might be a little too. I don't know if I can pull that off. Let me see if we don't, can find a don't. picture where she's got her clothes on. I don't on. know if I can do that. While you go ahead and research that, I am going to take Florida minus four. Uh, I just I don't trust this team. I will take Kentucky as a dog on the road to cover that number. Most of her pictures, she does not have clothes on. <laughs> All right. She does not like to wear clothes very much, it appears. I'm going to tease Matt Walsh instead. I have already made the decision. Now, you can find one. There are pictures where she doesn't have clothes. Hell no. I, I want Matt Walsh in that, in that teaser. I want Matt Walsh. It's been done. You can get uh, you can get the actual Playboy cover where she does have clothes on. She was on the cover of Playboy. All right. There we go. Matt Walsh. My man. You make the call. Should I put Matt Walsh or the Playboy cover in the teaser? Playboy cover, always. Oh man, that's more intriguing. It's more intriguing. It would All make right, me listen. Send me, send me the photo, and I'll put it. I'll put it. People are going to be like, "What?" They're going to finally get to this part of the podcast and discover. Um, but okay. No, we'll, imagine, imagine going to a podcast thinking you're looking for Lauren Anderson, the Playboy model, and you end up in a game of Mary Kill F with Nick <laughs> Ronan, and Ray Cooley and John Wooden. That's that's the part that's going to get us fired. It's been a winding road to this point of the pod. I'm taking Kentucky plus the four. Who are you taking? I'm taking Kentucky plus the four. Florida has zero wins over top 40 Kempom teams this season. Gators are 0-5 against top 40 Kempom. I can't trust them. Can't trust and by them. the way – because I get asked every once in a while, like, uh, so what happened? Or, you know, you had them in the top 10. Here's the truth. If I went back and based on the, the, the stuff we had available to us in the preseason to rank teams, I'd put Florida in the top 10 again. They brought back good pieces. They had the best grad transfer on the market. And then they added two five-star freshmen who, like, one of them at least was a projected lottery pick. Like, that's a t- on paper, that's top 10 stuff. But you and listen, it's more complex than what I'm about to say. But 
Go look at what their five-star freshmen have done. They've just been very yep. average. Yep. I mean, you look at the freshmen every week. They're just they're just guys. They are and just so, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And so once your five-star freshmen don't perform at the level that five-star freshmen are expected to perform, well, that's how you go from being a top ten team to you know a, a middle of the bracket team, which is what Florida seems to be. I agree. All right, what do you got for game two? Saturday, two p.m. Eastern. Number one Kansas at Texas Tech inside Darvin Ham Arena. You can watch it on ESPN. Kim Palm's got it. Kansas minus four. Texas Tech has a sneaky, shaky resume. Um, Dude, I didn't understand last. Okay, so last week they were ranked, and I would get Texas Tech fans like tweeting me, like, "Hey, what? So you're going to be the only person not to rank Texas Tech?" And I, I was like, "I think I looked at Texas Tech's body of work, and I just was like, didn't even have it on my radar." So I went back and looked again. It's all. It's a bad body of work. I don't know. I don't know how they were ranked in the AP poll. They're like a very. They're they're a bubble team right now, as far as I'm concerned. A bubble team, unquestionably. They have. By the way, this game is going to be played on Andre Emmett Court. Uh, R.I.P. Andre Emmett. Um, they so. Palm informed me of this. I, again, I'm losing track. I hope I'm not repeating myself on the podcast, but I host another I do podcast. It, all the time. it doesn't even matter. I don't think. HQ, whatever. So here's what Palm told me. So right now. Texas Tech is they are 10 and 12 aggregate in quad 1 2 and 3 okay so two games under 500 i think he said that there's like one team ever in the past like 25 years that's gotten in that large with with being two games under 500 in quad 1 2 and 3 but he is retro because the quads have only exist for a few years here so he retrofits it so that uh, and this is obviously isn't direct correlation but back in the day it was RPI top 50 RPI top 100 and then RPI top 200 so if you were say 10 and 12 against those teams in those instances you weren't going to get in that large bid Texas Tech is still rates well in the net but it's got some work to do and if it loses to Kansas I'm of the belief it needs two in the Big 12 tournament to feel good. So um, they need uh, they need a big showing. Chris Beard has got to has got to come up big. But yes, the resume is definitely thin. Um, best wins, SMU. No, that's not it. I'm in the wrong year. Hold on, buddy. They best, beat Louisville. They beat Louisville. I was at the game. Uh, they beat Louisville handily. That's by far the best win. And they have against West Virginia on their home floor. At, one at Texas. At Texas. What else you want from me? That's it. It's not nothing, but it's not great. I'm going to take – you know, Kansas is trying to get the standalone. It's already got the Big 12 regular season championship for the 15th time in 16 years. Um, I will – I'm. A, you know what? I'll take Texas Tech. I, I'm not confident in this at all, but but why not? I will take Texas Tech to, to cover this game. I don't know if it will win, but they're getting four. Give me the Red Raiders. Okay, I'll take Kansas minus four then. Whatever. But uh, one thing, um, you know, this is obviously a great coaching match. Yeah. I mean, a guy who's already a Hall of Famer against a guy who's one of the real difference makers on the sideline. Much smaller uh, career so far as a Division One head coach, but Chris Beard is undeniably awesome. And it was interesting, I thought, a few weeks ago, um, I was talking to Adrian Wojnarowski. Uh, our friend from ESPN, the greatest NBA insider in the whole wide world. And I was just talking to him about just sort of random, like, uh, you know, people keep talking about Bill Self going to the NBA or Jay Wright going to the NBA. Who is the guy, when you talk to to NBA people, is there somebody that they, you know, say, hey, th- this guy's on our radar. We might, might like to hire 
you know, we're, we're interested. Like we could see this guy working in our league someday. And the first name Woj said was Chris Beard. Said when NBA people go through Lubbock to see Jamias Ramsey or whomever else, they walk out of there going, that guy might be the best basketball coach in college basketball. Well, okay. I think that his natural disposition, I think it would work in the NBA. I wonder if he'd want to do it. I mean, you know, the paycheck coming, I'm sure. Like, that that would be interesting. Okay. Heard it here first. I can see it. Yeah, I don't know many people who wouldn't want to do it if given the opportunity and a good situation because it really is – it's an easier lifestyle. I don't know if it's an easier job, right. but it is yeah, an yeah. easier lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. That, that'll be uh, – that would be intriguing there. Um, all right, so we split on that one. What do you got for game three? Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern, number 10 Louisville at number 22 Virginia inside Austin Nichols Arena. You can watch it on ESPN – Kim Pom's got it. Louisville minus one. Ville minus one. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I just. Oh goodness. Uh, I just got a funny text, but I can't read it on the show. Um, I'm surprised at that number. I didn't. I didn't think that it would be. Okay, maybe I maybe I messed it no, up. No, you're probably right, but I'm just surprised at the number. Um, this so this first of all, Tony Bennett's got. Virginia Cavaliers won back at the freaking ACC regular season championship. Like, what are we doing here? This is stupid. Jay Huff, by the way, who I was insistent be on our preseason top 101 list, was like a non-factor for 80% of the season, and then suddenly just has become a beast. He scored Virginia's first 17 points, by the way. Uh, Virginia, Virginia, one against Miami, forty six, forty four. I, I, so I, dude, I love, I, but I love it. I love the fact that Tony Bennett wins a national championship, and then Virginia just becomes the most Virginia it can possibly be. There, it has not lost since it lost to Louisville. Um, not even a trivia time here. I'll just throw the nugget. Uh, Louisville has never defeated Virginia twice in the same season, but except for that Louisville loss, Virginia has won all of its games uh, dating back to January twentieth. Here. It needs to beat Louisville, and it needs Florida State to lose at home, which isn't going to happen this weekend because Florida State uh, is a very good team playing a terrible Boston College team. But if if Virginia beat Louisville and if Florida State lost at home to Boston College, it's not inconceivable. Virginia would actually finish again at the top of the ACC standings. That would be hilarious. We might even have to lead the pod if that happened, but I don't think it's going to happen, and I don't think that Louisville is going to beat Virginia twice in the same season. Give me the Wahoos to win and to bump that seed even higher, man. They're they're creeping up and creeping up and creeping up. Uh, Virginia, seven-game winning streak, like you mentioned. Um, Ken Pomeroy tweeted this. I guess it was Wednesday night after the 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 you know the the low scoring victory over Miami. The seven game winning streak, Virginia has won those games by a total of twenty six points. It is the lowest point total differential mm-hmm. for a team on a seven game winning streak. It ties for the lowest in modern history. That's why I love Palm because that's you got to want to find that stat. And we have no means of getting it. But it also speaks to why Virginia's so high in luck, as I mentioned earlier this season. Right. And why, for as much as we will praise Tony Bennett for the job he's done to get this team safely into the NCAA tournament, 
Uh, you can only trust Virginia as far as you can throw them this year in the big bracket. I don't know where I'll put them. I'm def- they are without a doubt a team that is going to uh, thrive or flame out based on the matchups they get in the bracket. Um, the seven wins, here's how the bra- it breaks down. They got a one-point win over Notre Dame, three two-point wins, one over North Carolina, one over Duke, one over Miami, two three-point wins, one over Pitt, one over Virginia Tech, and then a 13-point win over Boston College. Poor Boston College. <laughs> Dude, if Virginia blows you out, <laughs> it's just time to call it. A, it's, it's just it's over with. <laughs> it's, it, it very much is. Okay, so I'm taking the Wahoos. Who are you taking? Taking Virginia inside Austin Nichols Arena. Got to do it. I feel like you changed it since the last one, but that's okay. No, you know, you John Paul jo- John Paul Jones Arena. Yeah. No, you had you a different know, name last time. I thought yeah, oh, John Paul Jones is a Memphian. Oh well, there we go. Also, Just like, an incredible bass player and an incredible bass player. Austin Nichols, also a Memphian, who played a grand total of yeah. one game. <laughs> For Virginia before being dismissed from the program. <laughs> it's just terrible. Can you imagine transferring Virginia, <laughs> sitting out a year, playing one game, getting kicked off? I know. and uh, But he did dodge the UMBC debacle. So yeah, he wasn't a part of that. He, you can't he, blame he, him for you that. You can't blame him, and you can't blame DeAndre Hunter. By the way, this is Ty Jerome Court. Don't think I forgot, Virginia fans. Okay, game four, who you got? It was Ralph Sampson Arena it because was. he was a three-time All-American just yeah. like Bill Walton. Yeah, that's what it is. Yes. We got to stick but with But I'd that. rather go with the guy who played one that's game just... before getting kicked off. It's Austin Nichols Arena. Tied Trump Court inside Austin Nichols Arena. Sunday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, number 19 Ohio State at number 16 Michigan State inside the Knightsville Center. You yes, can watch it on it CBS. It's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. Let me guess the line. Hold on. Let me guess it. I'll say, I'll say, I'll say three. Michigan State minus five, according to Ken Pomp. Okay. Uh, both these teams are in the top ten. I don't have it in front of me, but I'm going to say Michigan State. Last, if I'm remembering right, Michigan State six and Ohio State nine. I think you're just trying to say six nine. <laughs> well, that, maybe, but uh, was that a nice guess or what? Am I right? I don't. What did you ask me? I've got the, 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 the entire New York City is getting arrested right now. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> It's just sirens nonstop. <laughs> That's the thing about spending so much time right in the middle of the city. Like, you don't even hear these sirens, like, under normal circumstances. <laughs> but because I've got this headset on, the sirens go into the mic and then directly into my ears. <laughs> yes. So, so it's but really But I didn't loud. hear it. So I don't think it came out the pod. That'll actually sometimes happen because I happen to live about a mile from one of the local volunteer fire departments. And so because I'm on, like, a main valve in my town, uh, we have definitely had multiple podcasts this season uh, first of all, Barrage <laughs> is standing up in the dark again in a plain white T-shirt, and I can see a little belly popping out. Like what? I was is stretching going and trying to see if I could figure out where fire is. What? This all started because I asked you. I'm gonna look up the damn rankings myself. Hold on. Yeah, what did it's, you? It's ask New me? York City and it's sirens. Like there's nothing unusual about it. Like you're. A- no, that, that, you're, not, you're you're not listening to what I'm telling you. There's nothing unusual about it except that the sirens are currently hitting my microphone <laughs> and then shooting directly into my ears because my headphones are turned up very loud so I could hear you. Oh, so man. they sound very loud. Under normal circumstances, I wouldn't even notice them, but because they're so loud directly in my ears, I notice them. You want to know the truth? Here, once you spend this much time in a city, you don't notice sirens anymore. All of that just sort of – you don't hear it anymore. Right. You know what you hear? Silence. There was a time maybe last year or a year before 
a blizzard was coming through. Turned out not to be nearly as bad as they thought, but they thought it was going to be the worst thing ever. And they closed all the streets in Manhattan. Like there was no cars on the street. So you like wake up in the middle of the night and you hear nothing. And that's what was weird, hearing nothing. Because in New York, you're constantly hearing everything, including sirens. Uh, yeah, no, I, I definitely hear what you're saying there, pun intended. So Michigan State's seven, Ohio State is eight in uh, Ken Palm's ranking. So Ohio State got a nice, comfortable uh, pull-away win late on Thursday night against a good Illinois team. Chris Holtman's squad has won four straight games, got it at home against Maryland. Uh, obviously, they won at Pinnacle Bank Arena because everyone does, and then won at home over Michigan and now Illinois. And they are coming back into form here. It'll be tough to get the win on the weekend, but they started out hot. They were the number one team when the net debuted for the second straight season uh, back in December. But I have to ride. I, I think you got to be with me here. Michigan State minus five on Cassius Winston's senior night. Um, I can easily see it being a close game. This is a very compelling game, a really good game on Saturday. But I'm going to ride with Sparty and MSU. I am too. And by the way, Maryland also enters the weekend 13 and 6. They host Michigan. And then Mm -hmm. uh, because Illinois lost, it's only a three way tie at the top. Wisconsin 13 and 6. They're at Indiana. Prediction Michigan State and Maryland are co Big Ten champs uh, when we wake up on Monday morning. Because I'm like you, I'm not picking against a Cassius Winston on, on senior day. Yeah, and it'll be it'll be pretty pretty remarkable in a season in which Michigan State opened with a loss to Kentucky, and then fell to three and two with a loss to Virginia Tech, and then fell to five and three with a blowout loss at home to Duke. They still were able to pull it together and win a Big Ten title. That's where we're that's that's the direction we're headed right now. You are correct. Um, All right. Uh, so we agree on that. So before I get to the fifth game, we do have automatic bids coming out this weekend. So just as a primer reminder for the listeners, we got two Saturday, three Sunday, and there are different benchmarks that always make it feel like March has arrived. For me, a lot of it was really that Joss Bidell snack stuff on Tuesday. But when you do have those championship games uh, and the automatic bids going out, like uh, that's when you get the feel goodies coming out. So weirdly enough, and GP, uh, I don't know maybe if you heard it in studio uh, today or this week as to why this is. I don't, I don't have the information offhand, but the Mountain West bumped up its tournament schedule this season. So the championship game is going to be played uh, on CBS on Saturday. Do, but do we know why exactly the Mountain West opted to do that? I would assume I don't. The answer is no. I don't know why. Okay. I would assume somebody said, "Do you want to play on Big CBS?" I gotta believe it, right? That's. I mean, and you take that absolutely if you're the Mountain West. Sure. There's no doubt about it. So they get on Big CBS. They will be handing out the bid, and then as always, um, the Ohio Valley is that first small league that gets the automatic bid handed out. That'll be on ESPN two on Saturday night. And what's interesting about the Valley is this: uh, it's got three. It's got three teams that I truly believe are capable of winning an NCAA tournament game, but only one team's going to get in. They don't have a two bid situation going on. So you got uh, Belmont post Rick Bird still still got the Rick Bird juice going, which is fantastic. Murray, tell me more about this Rick Bird juice. I'll have to tell you offline. You got Murray okay. State getting uh, potentially back to the tournament a year after post John. They're still really good against Josh and Matt McMahon. Uh, he is certainly, uh, a, I don't know how many big jobs are going to open, uh, but he should get a, a good hard look. I think he's done a great job there in a long line of successful Murray State coaches. It's almost like, uh, you know, Xavier to the south, if you will, at, at a mid-major level. And then Austin P is the team that I think I'd want to see in the tournament more than anyone else because, one, the school just embraces Let's Go P. Have, have, have for decades going back to uh, Fly Williams. But they have a freshman named Jordan Adams, who is awesome. And I mean awesome like he's going to be the next really, really good point guard to get 
potentially, I think he will get drafted out of the league like Ja did. He's not going to be a second pick. He's not going to be Ja Morant, but he's really, really good. He initially committed to Baylor. And then they have Terry Taylor, who is putting up, like, career numbers that have been done by only 10 players ever. So uh, Austin is a team to keep an eye on. Those two are on Saturday. Sunday on ESPN, you'll have the Atlantic Sun title game between Lipscomb and Liberty. The Big South will play out on Sunday as well on ESPN. And then, as always, the Sunday before Selection Sunday, we will have Arch Madness and its title game on Sunday afternoon. The semis will broadcast on CBS Sports Network on Saturday for the Missouri Valley Championship. So keep an eye on that. We'll have five teams in the tournament when we get back to podcasting on Sunday night. Now, as for my game... Everything is stacked on Saturday. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dodge Sunday altogether. If there's anything notable, we'll get to it, but it's mostly American and uh, Big Ten games. I think after examining all of this, there's a lot of good ones. I want to give love to a team that hasn't really gotten much this season, but you took... I did not anticipate on you picking Ville, Virginia there, GP. I'm going to go... Austin Nichols Arena. Mm, mm, yeah, that's right. That's true. I'm going to go... I'm going to go with the CBS game. It's America's most watched network. It's the network of stars. And this is a 315 tip on Saturday. Um, so as you watch this, if you watch it on your phone or whatever, I'll be in studio for CBS Sports HQ. I will literally be previewing, talking at halftime and post-game of this game in addition to Kentucky, Florida, and all that's going on. You got UCLA, USC, both teams trying to get into this damn awesome 68-team tournament. Because GP, you got to somehow put 68 teams into the field. I heard that. I haven't heard you talk about that on CBS Sports Network yet. Well, the thing people don't realize is that we got to put 68 teams in this thing. And then the other thing that people don't don't understand is that you got to have four number one seeds. And so you can keep talking about, well, what if Kansas loses at Texas Tech and then Kansas loses in the Big 12 tournament? Well, we still got to have four number one seeds, and I don't think you're going to be able to find four with better resumes than Bill Sells, Kansas Jayhawks. You're right. You're right. So 315 on Saturday, UCLA inside. Uh-huh. You're going to be proud of me for this because I feel like it's who you'd pick. OJ Mayo inside the OJ Mayo Center. O.J. Okay. Mayo Center's fine. Yeah, O.J. Mayo Center. Could go D'Anthony Melton Center. That's my favorite you guy. Could, you could. You want, he can have the court. You want to give him the court? D'Anthony Melton court. He deserves that. He does. He, he actually, you know what? He does. Somebody somebody actually get a piece of the court and deliver it to D'Anthony Melton for us, please. Try and get that done. You have, somewhat surprisingly, USC as a home six-point favorite over your Mick Cronin Bruins. Who are you taking? Dude. <laughs> Dude, that is disrespectful. Oh, okay. That is the most disrespectful thing I've ever heard. Making Mick Cronin a six-point underdog? I think John Wooden's coaching this team. Inside the O.J. Mayo Center? No. No. No, no, no. Under no circumstances. UCLA plus six? UCLA. Pac-12 champs. Pac-12 champs. They will indeed be that if they are able to get a win here. It is a big week for the Pac-12. They have seven teams in the mix. UCLA, Oregon, Arizona State, Colorado, USC, Arizona, and Stanford all in the mix to get into the field. We'll see how things shake out this weekend. And then with the league tournament next week, um, 
provided the coronavirus doesn't prevent people from attending it. I will take USC to cover only because you called it disrespectful. I have to play the odds in this instance here. I don't feel good about it, but I'm going to ride the Trojans and that horse there. So we have agreement on Kentucky. We have agreement on Michigan State, and we have agreement on Virginia. We split on I've got Red Raiders, you've got Jayhawks, I've got Trojans, you've got Bruins. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry M.F. and Teagle. He's a legend. Shouts to Larnell. Shouts to Lauren Anderson. Googler. Googler if you need to. Please go subscribe to the Island College Basketball Podcast via Apple Podcasts. Rate it favorably. Five stars. Nice comments. That's all I've ever asked. And we're going to talk to you again. Honestly, we're not sure. We're not sure when we're going to talk to you again. <laughs> we we think we, I'm traveling Sunday, and we probably can't record before Michigan State perhaps secures a Big Ten title on Cassius Winston Senior Day. So this might be a situation where we have to record on Monday morning, but we'll let you know. Hey, you'll be the first to know. We'll talk to you again soon, whatever that means. Till then, take care.